Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're your hosts today, TJ Branson, Zach Vogel, Mike Rogerson. Hey there. Hey, hey, hey. Today we're going to be talking about the Minnesota Wild. I was talking about the Discord today. Have you guys seen the meme where the guy's holding a girl's hand, but he's looking back at another girl? And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. He's holding the hand of the Minnesota Wild roster, but he's looking back at the Minnesota Wild prospect pipeline. That's exactly how I feel about Minnesota right now. Couldn't get two shits outside of like Kevin Fiala about the the, the NHL team, but the prospect pipeline is going to be a lot of fun when we get there. Where are you guys at with Minnesota? Like, what what kind of storylines? What is like the main headline when you think of the Minnesota Wild? Young guys, it's <laughs> it's their it's their young guys. That's that's the main headline. I mean, I definitely agree with you on the Kevin Fiala thing. I would also throw uh, Zach Parise in there. Yeah, he doesn't get enough love. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, I, I think he can go. Um, I think you can definitely get Zach Parise. Um, he's going to get you points, and you're going to be able to get him pretty cheap. But I think that a big question for me, at least, is what's going on with Matt Dumba? Is Jared Spurgeon going to be able to show that he's a little more? And really, what are they going to do in the goalie situation? Alex Stalock looked all right, you know, in the yeah. in the playoffs. Uh, and then you got Cam Talbot coming on. So I, I think those are all good storylines for Minnesota. I think they were, they remind me a little bit of when we looked at Chicago, where they have like one guy who's just head and shoulders more exciting than everybody else. Like Fiala, I think is offensively huge bright side, and there's just a whole clump of like they're just pretty good. I don't mind Suter; he's pretty steady. You know, they got like you said Spurgeon, and hopefully Dumba can come back. But yeah, like a lot of okay guys. But like, that's a good quote on the meme there. Like. <laughs> Another one of the teams with like an in you know three four years from now it's going to be L.A. and Minnesota who we're talking about. How about the off season moves? How strange Bill Guerin kind of played this off season. Like Marcus Johansson for Eric Stahl, Luke Kunin for Nick Benino. I don't know what he's drinking, but I wouldn't mind it after a long week. Somehow they managed to get more boring. Like I was like, well, they got they got Coonan. At least he's exciting. Yep, no, not anymore. Replace him with like just a stock player. <laughs> it's very and they and they don't exactly. Have, they're not a super ton below the cap either. They only have a couple of million to work with, just under three. So I mean, it's not like they can really bring anybody too too exciting on board, even if they're not done. They they're another one of those teams that's got like a handful of just shit contracts for quite a while. Yeah, Suter was worth it back in the day, but you know he's signed until the end of time, or is a little after, a couple years past the end of time. Well, I mean between him, Spurgeon, he's a, he's a UFA twenty five twenty six. But yeah, Jared Spurgeon <laughs> yeah. is definitely leaking away because he's making over seven and a half two, and that's going on. For another seven years, I believe. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, a bunch of money tied up in Zuccarello, a bunch of money. Brodeen's decent, but he's $6 million a year forever as well. They were always so, trying to get rid of that Parise contract. There was like, there was buzz that he was going to, to Long Island. I think Andrew Ladd was getting sent back. Just a we- another weird move that Bill Guerin, I guess, had in his back pocket. Four more years of Zuccarello at six million till he's like thirty-eight years old. I think yeah, a lot of old guys. 
But the thing is, it's it's not even those contracts. Like, I'm fine with paying Zach Parise $7.5 million, okay? He, he plays a role on that team. He's one of the older guys. He gets your points. It's the dumb contracts like 4.1 for Nick Benino, $4 million for Victor Rask. Yeah. He's your fourth-line guy making $4 million a year. That is your problem. Well, if I'm okay. not mistaken, I don't think he signed those guys. He traded for those guys, so he opted into those contracts willingly. So it's just yeah, they're bad. still on. Yeah, but that's the thing. They're they're on your cap. Yep. You're paying that money. Yeah, they're, they're D, too. Their D looks like almost like Toronto's offense, where for like four more years, they're running one, two, three, four. They're like $30 million a year for their top four. Yeah, and that um, Jonas Brodin just signed, too. He got himself a good pay raise. So that's going to be Seven extra money. More years. Yep, yeah. that's more money in, in the defense. But it is a pretty good defense. Like, Jared Spurgeon is mm-hmm. going to be worth that money, albeit not for offense. Like, he's worth that money for another couple years. I think UCI said uh, seven more years, so he'll be there until he's 37. Um, I imagine that won't age well getting towards the end of it, but right now I think 7.5 is maybe a little too much, but I think it's it's kind of like in the neighborhood of you know value. But yeah, I don't think that those are bloated contracts. I, I think your problem contracts are the, are the dumb ones where you're paying multiple yeah, it, millions of people for your fourth line. Inches lead up to miles, man. That's what happens. Should we get into this top five? Should I? Um, yeah. Drum roll for the for the top one. Who 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 could possibly be the best player in in fantasy in Minnesota? Speaking of not bad contracts, like there's a guy, best guy on the team. I'm sure we're all talking about Fiala, and he's not even he's under four million. Not for long. Not for no. Long, well, that's what I'm but... saying. What ha- what happens after this one year of four million? Then how do you pay Fiala now? I didn't even think of that shit. Because he's only got, yeah, I think he's got one year left at three, actually three million. And then he's, I mean, based on his trajectory, he's up for a huge raise. Yeah. But if you guys uh, don't mind, I'll rain on the parade here a little bit. I dug into Kevin Fiala. What I've always said about him is that he just had too high an IPP. And when I started digging into it, man, it's like, it's really high. For a long amount of time, too. So anybody that doesn't know, IPP is individual points percentage. It's the amount of goals that you get in on while you're on the ice. And elite players usually fall within like 70 to 80% range. Do you guys, uh, you guys have been on the show long enough. If you want to take a guess where Fiala was at, let's just say since November, where do you think he was at? 90? 80? 84. You guys are on either end of it. It's 86 with a 14.1 shooting percentage. I was the closest without going over. Therefore, <laughs> I win as Zach, far as you, Price you is the, Right rules. Yeah, you win price the is Right here. rules. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, he took a little bit to get going. He he had one point in his first eight games, but as soon as November hit, it, something just clicked for him. 53 points in the next 56 games, close to three shots a game. In the final 15 games, he had 21 points in 15 games played. 11 goals, 10 assists on 17.2 shooting. Raj, this is where you would have been closer, man. 91% IPP there. And I went back to see if there was like kind of a sustainable period for Fiala. I just couldn't find it. From February on, he had a 93% IPP. From January, it was down to 91. December forward, 86, and same for November. After November, there's only three players that have higher IPP than Fiala. Ehlers, who had like 94 
four. Ehlers led the league, which is wild. And Brandon Tanev, that's not somebody I expected to to see there. And Zach, just to give you hope for next year, Travis Konechny was right behind Kevin Fiala in terms of IPP. So maybe nice when we get to uh, Konechny, nice. it might not be so so silver lining and a lot more gray. But um, I'm not trying to discount Fiala or anything. Before this year, he was like at 69% IPP. Saw a huge bump in on-ice shooting percentage too, which is kind of rough. But So his most common line mates were Stahl and Parise. And now he's looking for a new center. And maybe it's Marcus Johansson. Maybe it's oh Nick Benino. Maybe it's Nick Bugstad. Maybe it's Joel Erickson Eck. Maybe it's Victor Rask. Maybe it's Marco Rossi. How many of these maybes do we need before we kind of start bumping Fiala down a little bit? Well, that, that's where I was. I had a huge note on here that Minnesota has the worst centers in the league. Like, there's nobody in those four centers that is going to help anybody. That's four which I think, Cs. Yeah, exactly. And one four C in Victor Rask. With, uh, I mean, having Stalin Parise. Those are some pretty experienced, good line mates that are going to be making good plays to set you up. I think so. I think you're right. He could he could dip, but like I just I don't know if any of the young guys are going to come up this year. Like is Kaprasov going to play? He's supposed is he to. Going to come yeah. up and maybe spark or something. Marco Rossi, who is a center. Yeah, Marco Rossi could be the guy, but like how? I mean, is that the direction that we were going here? Because I I I felt like you threw that fishing line out there. I just had I remember. To I, I talked to Scott Wheeler about, um, you know, going into a lot of our dynasty drafts. I was like, where do you guys have, or where do you have these guys, like the top 10, who do you see as being able to step into the NHL right away? He said Lafreniere and Rossi. Those are the two guys that I think are NHL ready. And then he had uh, three 50-50 kind of guys. It was Byfield, Perfetti, and um, I forget. I'm just totally blanking. Byfield, Perfetti. I'll get to it, I'm sure. But anyway, Rossi seems like he could play in the top or in the NHL rather. So, you know, I guarantee he's going to get a look on the top line. I think Joel Erickson Eck is going to get a look on the top line. I think where there's going to be any fluidity on that one C, and that's going to that's going to hurt Fiala, I think, a little bit. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Do you think any of those options are more helpful to Fiala's production than Stahl was? Because I don't. Not this year. I mean, give no, Rossi two no, or three I, years, I, and I think it's definitely a downgrade. I mean, that that that's a given. Um, but I don't think Marcus Johansson is horrible. I think he can suffice there at the one C, and I I think it would be crazy awesome to have give Marco Rossi a try there. You know what I mean? We'll just have to see how his uh, face offs go. But I'm not against Mark. I'm not against Marcus Johansson. Like what? What just for fun? What if it was like Kaprasov, Fiala, and Rossi for a super young? That would be an exciting well. line. That's a I would way rather percent Casey Middlestat treatment. Something I'm kind of scared of a little bit. Just feeding them uh, to the fire, right? That's true, but we can dream, right? Or I guess you know, or you could have Zuccarello and Greenway or Bukestad. <laughs> like that's like. Just not the most exciting options for the rest of the forward. And it's and it's not like it's not like they have to all 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 of a sudden get thrown into first line time. Yeah. Like think about it. Fiala, their best player, the guy you want to have on the ice the most, uh, was what, at like fifteen and a half minutes or something this year? 
Yeah. Like, if I recall, he was just over 15 and a half. I mean, obviously, your defenseman, like, Ryan Suter's out there playing 30 minutes a game and shit. Right. But, like, a lot of their forwards and even their first-line forwards, it's not like they're getting 18, 19 minutes a game, you know? So they can still mix those guys in and get them some first-line time and have them play 12 and a half, 13 minutes. That's true. They had a lot of forwards around like the 16, 17 mark last year with nobody like really way more than Mm -hmm. anybody else. I guess we're kind of straying away from the top five because no one really knows where to go after number one. (laughs) What do you guys have for a number two? Is there anybody you could put as a number two? I'm not exactly done with Fiala. I want to get some projections in here. Like where do you guys have him landing at the end of the year? I'd give him 65, 60, 65. Yeah. I'll take the under. Really? I'll take the under on 65, yeah, for sure. What do you think his ADP is going to look like? Raj, I looked through our FHFH data, and his ADP was 103, but he went as high as 46 in one league. That's like that's a hefty craziness. Reach. It's craziness. But 103, that's like middle of the eighth round. Are you guys comfy with that? Yeah, I wouldn't go that high. That's maybe where he's valued. I just think, it like to me, it's too scary who, who he gets put with, and if he was just... You know, he still hasn't proven to be awesome for very long. Like you said, he had just a massive hot streak. Yeah. He could continue. He looks great. And, I mean, he looked great in the playoffs and stuff like that. But I wouldn't be surprised also if he's just one of those guys who just dies right off. 90% IPP is hard enough to do for an entire season, let alone two. So I think, like, I hate to say it, and I know a lot of people aren't going to want to hear it, but I think Fiala might take a step back next year. This is going to be one of those guys that I'm a little, like, I want to urge caution, like buyer beware kind of thing. Like, it's not to say I'm not going to target him, but eighth round for somebody who could put up 70-ish points, um, I think I could take that gamble. Could, and I, I don't think that he's even going to put up 60 well, and he doesn't have opinion. anything else too, right? Like he doesn't hit, he doesn't block his yeah. his like offensive uh, true. Uh, t- takeaways and all that stuff aren't there. So he's a guy who's like you're not scoring, he's not really worth much. That's true. It's so either points, it, either points or nothing. So I'm I'm always more like more comfortable if somebody like hits and blocks the peripheral and their floor, offense yeah. is volatile. Then at least if they're not scoring, you can get something. But um. Plus the fact that now anybody playing Minnesota is going to be coming in with a game plan of, okay, we got to stop this Fiala kid. Yep. Whereas last year he was a bit of a surprise. Like he did overperform. So be interesting to see. I I won't reach for him, but I'd be, I think some people will is, is it would be my hesitation. Yeah. I saw that with the 46th pick in one league. I wonder how close that was to the playoffs because he looked so on fire. It was Canucks it was series. the first one. It was the first yeah, mock we was, did. God, man, when he was he was playing against the Canucks, he he was on a mission. It had to have been and, a and points don't, league. Don't too. get me wrong; he he looked great last year, but like his shooting percentage was way up. Um, he was still taking about the same amount of shots, but the prior three years, he didn't even break eight percent. Yeah, you know what he's, I mean. He's one of my like, kind of regression his, his, candidates. Yeah, last year his shooting percentage was up 6%. Almost double what it was the prior years. Mm-hmm. How can you not tell me that, that that's like a huge sign for regression? Yep. I, I need to see you do it again. It's not like one of those players like uh, like Sorelli. We we always said, oh, well, he, he keeps on. He's up there. He's up there. And it's going to drop out the bottom soon. Uh, I don't I don't believe it after one year. 
I'm definitely not drafting him in the eighth round. Now I'll draft him in the tenth. You go double digits, and Fiala's still there. I'm down. But like you said, he only he only brings you points, and I haven't seen it apart from this one year. Yep. You know, one thing actually, I'm just looking at the team shooting percentage in Minnesota. He's he's not even in the top couple. They have as a team, it seems like they have pretty high. They have like Parise's over 16. Zucar uh, Benino's now 17. Zuccarello's like 15. I wonder if they just don't shoot. It seems like a team that kind of hangs on and hangs on and only takes good shots because that's overall as a team, it seems like they have a high percentage. But Yeah, they were one percentage point above league average. They shot at 10.5 this year. League average 9.5. Uh, not too not crazy then. Uh, who do you guys got? Is that enough of Fiala, yeah, I think Fiala so. Fest here? Yeah. Fiala Palooza? Um, Matt Dumba. Because then, yeah, I don't think there's anybody exciting to talk about after that, but there's a lot of good players. Who do you have next? Matt Dumba is my number two. Zach? Hmm. Yeah, it does get a bit gray after that. It definitely does. It definitely does. And, and I. Okay, so I think it's another one of those things where. It's another interchangeable group, but I'll, yeah. but I'll give you dumb. I'll give you Dumba and number two because he's also giving you blocks and hits, and I like that. Mm-hmm. But so interchangeable for me, I kind of want to put Jared Spurgeon there. I think it's it's a clear number one, and then four number twos. You know what I mean? I I'm actually I'm yeah I'm gonna go with Jared Spurgeon there. Okay. Uh, I think he's slated in for. 35 to 45 points anywhere in that range. So he's given you that. He's given you 100 plus blocks every single year. Every year and he might, you know, get crazy and and throw out a 150 block game, but he's also given you hits. Uh he can get up to a hit a game, over a hit a game, but he's definitely going to give you over a block a game and these 40 points. Yeah, the one thing I think where they differ between Dumba and Spurgeon, I'm just noticing too. Like Dumba is actually almost as many shots as Fiala. Hmm. He was he was second on the team, just a handful of shots behind Fiala. Just wasn't quite connecting the way he did a couple years back. So I think he could he could see an increase in offense. Are you um, talking but, Spurgeon or Dumba here? Dumba. Okay. Dumba with the shots. That's where he's. Because he otherwise he has similar-ish numbers uh, against Spurgeon. I mean, Spurgeon has more hits and blocks, but uh, Dumba gives you a little more upside in the offense. I, I think. How do you figure exactly? What that Dumba, Dumba has Dumba more has offensive had, upside. Dumba has had one year where, like, I don't know, he had a great year. You know what I mean? He had one fifty-point year, but other than that, it's Take a look you know, at the he's, next a, year. he's a he's a he's a twenty-plus guy. You know, the next year he well, played I mean, for 50, he had 50 points and then he goes down to 22 and then he was at 24 points last year. No, I, I don't I don't I don't buy it. And I know he didn't. He Look didn't at the play. games played, though. Look at the game. Yeah, I know he didn't really play, but he didn't do anything last year either. If you're looking at these other people and talking about shooting percentages, take a look at his. He shot at three percent last year. Yeah, he went from the the highest in his career to the lowest in his career in the span of two years. So I mean, if he even increases that, like to one by one or two percent at his his uh, shot rates, he's going to be picking up a bit more offense. That's all. I mean, 
Um, I'd see him. I, I definitely expect him to have a way higher output, uh, closer basically to where Spurgeon was this year. Yeah. I mean, if, if we're going just offense, I think Dumba's got the upside. He's hit 50 points, whereas Spurgeon has not. I don't think we're ever going to get a 50-point year out of Spurgeon, but Dumba's somebody with a 55-point ceiling. But I don't – like, this isn't the team to support a 55-point Matt Dumba. He's not getting it. He's he's more like a safe 45 – like a 40-point guy, where I have Spurgeon, like, like Zach said, 35 to 40 kind of. So I like I, – when talking about these two defensemen, I got Dumba ahead just by a little bit here. What's scary for Dumba's sake, actually maybe for both of their sake, is when you flip over, if you take a look at their power play, when, if we want to talk about offensive upside, then you got to kind of like mm. take a look at that power play, and you're right. Yeah. It's kind of like, okay, maybe. And they go 50-50 with their power plays too, so it's not even like you know a top power play defenseman gets all that much more time with Marcus Johansson than the other one. So uh, <laughs> it might be one of those... It- it doesn't really matter. And Suter can cover teams. power play time if needed too, he, right? He eats so, so many minutes. That power play would change in explosivity real quick if you put Marco Rossi on it. Get Marco, get Kirill Kaprasov up there, Kovnov. Uh, I'm getting there. I'm definitely excited to talk about their prospects. Um, Keep sneaking towards the prospects. <laughs> number three. It, can... it, would, it, would cha- it would change that power play. It would. It would oh, change yeah. that power play. No. I'm not worried about Marcus Johansson getting getting a lot of points on me if I'm on the penalty kill. He is just you on a one I mean? year contract too, so it's not gonna be forever. You know, so but I am thinking about Marco Rossi, you know, making a making a great play or shooting a great puck. You know what I am? Mm-hmm. I, I, I am worried about that, not Marcus Johansson. I could as, see Rossi as much having... as I say he's okay. Okay, but that's Rossi it. Rossi could have a Nico Heischer like rookie year. So I think 50 points is probably, you know, if he gets that top spot, it could definitely happen. That's what I had as my storyline is just let the kids play. Um, this is a team that really outside of Cam Talbot, I don't see that you upgraded your team at all. Like I think Talbot Staylock is, is a better combo than Dubnik Staylock. So uh, I don't know if they're making a push. This doesn't look like a team. They didn't have the off season of a team that is making a push. No, no. <laughs> and we'll have to see what Garen's approach is, if he is going to go with all this great youth or if he's just kind of like... Garen's got to lay all off the old, breakfast beers. Let all these old farts play out a couple more years. And, and switch to mimosas. <laughs> yeah, let's get these old contracts out of here and then there's just all this new stuff coming up. But <laughs> Number three. If I mean, Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say who is number three. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think I think two and three is is whichever defense switch interchangeable. Yeah, switch yeah. interchangeable. I think it's it's Dumba and Spurgeon. I think that's your two and three. However, however the way you dig it. So I had, I had Kaprizov number three. Spurgeon was actually my number five here with Zacharyse oh, at then. number four. Oh, fuck you then. <laughs> I had Parise at number four, um, but Kaprizov is just like I'm putting him at number three just based on hope. I like I have no idea what to expect. He's been talked about kind of in the same tier fantasy-wise as Lafreniere. Just for next year, I want to be very concise about those words. Just next year. So I'm not the guy saying that, you know, Kaprizov and Lafreniere are going to have similar career paths. I think they're both going to be in the running for the Calder. Like, this is something I think is more than feasible. Kaprizov could put up, like, 60 points. I don't think that is out of the realm of possibilities at all. It's just like... 
the the KHL translation for, to the NHL is is tough. Are we going to get a Nishushkin? Are we going to get a Radulov, a Dadnov, a Panarin? Panarin would be pretty sick. I can't say. So I don't know. I'm just really excited. I know he's an exciting player. He's probably going to get his first NHL season. I think he's like 24, and this is the last year of his ELC. So as far as like contracts go, this is shit or get off the pot. Or maybe he just yeah, signed a one year. Let's it's get time. you in there. It's time. Uh, so I think like he's been in the same breath, albeit lower than Lafreniere in, in redraft. So I think if you know, you're know you going into your redrafts and Lafreniere goes off the board, go for a Kaprizov. Like, that's how you know it's time because Lafreniere will be drafted before Kaprizov. If you're eyeballing well, yeah. him in redrafts, then that's the time to do it. Yeah, I mean he's he's not a young rookie, right? He's he is uh, old, twenty three, I believe, right now. So he, he could come in and, and make a bit of a splash. The only reason I didn't have him that high, I had him at the as number five, is just because I the uh, question mark. I'm j- sure just the question mark of being a rookie from another league, et cetera, et cetera. But he, he could be very cool. I actually went against my heart and put Talbot there. <laughs> and the only reason what I wrote down here is I, the reason I put Talbot number four, I put C number two and three, which was Dumba, Spurgeon, and then I had Suter up there too. <laughs> so the only reason I put Talbot that high is he seemed to have a bit of a comeback this year. Yeah. And then that top four D is just so damn solid. But I don't know that Cam Talbot is going to get as many starts as it will make him to be viable at your number four pick. I kind of see him as like, he's definitely the one a, I think we're all going to agree there. You think it's going to be close. Do you to think 50, he's going to get that? You think he's going to get that many more starts than Staylock is? Uh, the, the reason I don't like Talbot as much is because he came off that sub 900 year in Philadelphia and Edmonton, but it led up to this year's nine nineteen with Calgary kind of weird. Minnesota's banking big time on, on which Talbot they get, and they're kind of hoping that behind that Minnesota defense that he's going to be more that Calgary guy. And if if he does put up those kind of numbers, I think we could see a workhorse here. I wouldn't, yeah, I I, I thought he'd be 50-50-ish, actually, is what I was anticipating, but I just don't see, like, other than, you know, the two two workhorses left, almost everybody is going to be around 50-50 pretty close too, I think. So I I don't think games played for goalies is going to be nearly as big of a, an advantage. I think we got across like the league. five or six workhorses. Cuz I, I know you're yeah. thinking about Hellebuck and Vazzy, but then yeah. John Gibson cuz his backup is Anthony Stolarz. Bobrovsky, I think, you know, you got to play him into the ground or you're not getting your money's worth. And Freddie Anderson. Like I know Campbell is kind of there. He's he's a calming presence as a backup, the best backup they've had in a long time, but I still think Anderson's a lock for 55. So do I. And then even Matt yeah. Murray. Like, Murray, I think, is going to be a workhorse, too. So that's six, I think. Yeah, well, I'd still put Hellebuck and Vazzy on a tier above sort oh of my the God. second yeah, tier. I, I, I couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. Um, but, no, I think this will be more of a 50-50. And, I, like I said, I don't like Talbot as much as I like who's in front of him to give him value. And then I for number five I had I had Suter. Hmm. He's a minute muncher. He plays all situations. Still gets some power play time. Those blocks are crazy good. Yeah, he's just he's like it's like having Getzlaff, you know, like we were talking <laughs> about before. You don't want him, and you don't want the contract. But if you need some stat coverage, he's there, and you can grab it. 
So I had uh, Parise in my top five too, and I think it's just the stability. He's like, mm. you know, old, reliable. At this point, you know what you're going to get out of Parise. He's got great shots. He scores goals. He's a presence on the power play. He's going to get some of the best time on ice in Minnesota amongst their forwards. It's not a sexy pick, but it's a decent one, I think. It's like Suter on the back side, or on the front side, really. Suter's going to get you points, though, too. Like, I, I, don't, I, yeah. I, I don't have... Yeah, I don't hate Suter. He, I, I he's go for actually, Suter. He's great to have. Cap he's dynasty. great to have on your team. If if Suter is like your third or fourth best defenseman, you're looking pretty damn good. Yeah, I just now, called him. He doesn't now you don't want him as like your first or second best defenseman on your oh, on yeah. your fantasy team. Then you're in trouble. So let's uh, let's dive into the depth here. Do you guys have a couple names? Was it a bit tough? Felino and Brodine is hit streamers, is what I had. Yeah. You know. I had Marcus yep. Johansson just because he, he'll I, get top six, right? Because you feel bad. You have to have, like, if you're 1C. He's going to take face-offs. He's, he's not good at them. I think he's, like, a 42% career. but uh, I think he's, he's 40%. He's, he just yeah, seems like a 45, 50-point like guy, like, in the right climate. Yeah. I, I'm not sold on Marcus Johansson. I think Joel Erickson Eck, he he brings decent hits. Kid's only twenty three. And I kinda hope we see a little bit more of him. He's got I mean, the whole center scenario is gray, so I think Erickson Eck is gonna get a cup of coffee. He'll he'll get a shot. And Zuccarello, I guess, like I'm not in love with any of his stats, but I had to fill the depth part. So Zuki made it. Um just because he exists, uh Benino. Oh yeah, there you go. I mean Face-off wise, he's he's more he's taken more, and is better than Johansson. Last year, Benino's line had better expected goals for percentage than the Matthews line, and Benino so, was playing with Grimaldi and Smith. I'm gonna throw out one more. I don't know if you're gonna like it, but this is this is my dark horse pick here for Love streamers. Cars Carson Susie. Always you gotta you gotta say his name, don't you? Carson Susie. All right, man. Dude, sell he's, me. he's gonna get he's gonna get you a block and a hit. Sell me at this at least pen. if you if you pick him up, they might get you some points. Come on, Carson Susie, it's not so bad. <laughs> All right, sounds like a UFC fighter. He does, yeah, he does. All right, should we dive into the prospects? This is kind of like you know the main course here for me. It's about time. All right, Mark, Marco Rossi, NHL potential right out of the gate. Minnesota has a glaring weakness at C. Marco Rossi plays C. It's perfect. Um, Stutzla, that was the third guy that Wheeler, Scott Wheeler, had said <laughs> it was 50-50 for the NHL. So Perfetti, Stutzla, and Byfield are 50-50. He thinks Rossi and Lafreniere are the two that are 100% ready. If Rossi slots in, like he's going to get a look at the top line, and then you're taking that gamble, you're taking that coin flip if it works out. So if it works out, he's your 1C kind of looking at that Nico Heischer path. And uh, if not, then he's just a depth center with 1C upside down the road. Tails never fails. Flip that coin. Kirill Kaprizov, we've already talked about the kid. He's going to be exciting. Alexander Hovanov. Zach, this is some guy that we were super high on going into uh, our first dynasty when when we were sharing that team. How do you think the addition of Rossi kind of affects Hovanov's value? Do you think Hovanov is now like... Because when we drafted him, we were like, okay, only Lafreniere outscored him in the QMJHL, and he's going to play with Kaprizov. But now it looks like 
2C is kind of the ceiling if Rossi pans out the way he's supposed to. Why, why should that matter? In, in the future, with as many young guys and, and great talent that they have across the board, because, I mean, thank you all. Okay, so in the future, if it's Marco Rossi and Kirill Kaprizov playing together, and then you're telling me that Hovanov is going to be playing with Matthew Boldy? Yeah, okay. or Adam Beckman. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good with that, yeah. Or, or and and you know what and have and have Luke Coonan on your right hand side because Fiala's well, on the top line. Well, not anymore. Come on, they traded Coonan to Nashville for Benino in one of Bill Guerin's day drunk trades. <laughs> what I don't remember that. What's Shit, Guerin doing today? You. Uh, well, who else do you have on that right side? Uh, I think uh, Beckman. Well, fair enough. I'm fine still, even if it's just Matthew Boldy and Hovanov. That that's a I, I think down the road, it's not going to matter. Your your team is so stacked on young talent, and that have top six potential. Him playing that two C is is going to be like you know what I mean. Well, he could it could be it could be. I'm not saying like it has this amount of potential, but it could be like a Pittsburgh thing with Crosby and Malkin. You know what I mean? They're not worried about Malkin's not worried about his fucking ceiling being the 2c his winner yeah i guess you're right i had a question about rossi actually do you guys think they like right now they have that what they're they're calling the second line of parise and like an old guy like zuccarello do you think they would bring up rossi now while they have a couple of veterans to sort of uh, pad him with as opposed to maybe next year when the team's going to be even younger and they won't have that leadership around I got Rossi penciled in for NHL time this year. Yeah, so do I. So it's I just, guess the answer to your question is yes. I hope I hope that it's yes. And Raj, to to further that, like no matter what line they put Rossi on, he's going to be playing with old guys. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, when he said gray area, we're talking about their hair. <laughs> I was looking it up, Zach. Uh, Boldy and Beckman are both left wing. So, and I think Kaprizov is too. So they're going to have to flip somebody, but a top six of like Kaprizov, Rossi, Fiala, uh, Boldy, Hovanov, and Beckman. Like that's really awesome. And indeed, they got Kalen Addison. They they picked him up in the Jason Zucker trade with Minnesota. They mm-hmm. also picked up that first round pick this year with no backing out of it. So they look to add another pretty good D. I know 21 is... Um, kind of deep for defensemen, you know, depending on where Minnesota picks. Keelan Addison kind of projects to be Minnesota's top power play quarterback of the future. And and I think this kid's eventually going to be playing with all those names we already talked about, like Beckman, Rossi, Kaprizov, Boldy, and the rest of Minnesota's top players down the line. Sign me up, man. Like, he's, he's a good sleeper when you start to see, like, Evan Bouchard's, Ty Smith's, and the other big-name prospect D go off the board in your dynasty. I think Keelan Addison is, like, a really good guy to have in your back pocket. So I've been keying in on him in a ton of leagues. And then to hold it all down in the crease, you have Capo Kakanen. Woo-wee! Love that's, that that's the thing. Just up and down, left wing, right wing, center. They have, they have Kalen Anderson on defense, and then Capo Kakanen in between the pipes. Yep. He's the goalie of the future in for couple, sure. In, in, in a couple of years. Not going to have to worry about this whole Alex Daylock thing. Well, it depends on how much Bill Guerin decides to drink for the next six months. We'll see. 
<laughs> You're telling me I can get Brent Burns for Alexander Kovanov and Kalen Asin? Okay, let's do it. Bring, bring him back. Bring him back. Retire his number <laughs> as a freaking wild. Um, no, but uh, we'll we'll see. I mean, and Murat Kushnadinov, he is going to be a really good two way center. Uh, I think that's going to be a this top nine man. It, like years from now is going to be it's going to be scary. I, I was even looking at some of the like tier two guys like Sam Hentejes, Vladislav Firstov, Brandon Manel. I've been looking at like Louis Belpedio just because every YouTube video about Belpedio is just him fighting somebody <laughs> and like a really, really deep cut for, for pims and hits and stuff like that. Hunter Jones is a good backup goalie of the future. But I guess to round it all off here in Minnesota, guys, like if you don't have anything left on the prospects, who are your value picks? I think there's a lot that's similar to to like Montreal where I mean F- I think Fiala is going to probably be go as high as he should or higher but I then I think everyone I, Spurgeon, else after Spurgeon. that is everyone else after that is a value pick yeah Spurgeon Suter Dumba Talbot they're all good I see Talbot paying off this year so he's kind of one of my value picks he's going to get faded and I think that's going to it's going to work out and Zach like you were saying about Ryan Suter he's kind of one of those guys that you're like oh my god he's 30 whatever I don't know if I want him but you get him as like your second or third or fourth defenseman even you're you're locking up blocks and playing all blocks situations and, hits and, and 40 plus points he, he's gonna be out there for yep. 26 minutes a night you know what I mean yeah or more curtains curtains all right that's it's it for, that's it for Minnesota um kind of a long one I figured it might be considering how much I uh we're all kind of invested. I don't know if we're starting to sell you on Minnesota's prospect pool here, Raj, but uh, it's good. And Fiala, there's enough to say there to fill up another episode. So that's it for Minnesota. If you guys want to find us, we're on Twitter at FHF Hockey. You guys can join the Fantasy Hockey Discord. And if you guys are liking it, subscribe. If you love it, leave a review because we like to feel warm and fuzzy. It, it, it's a lot of fun. We, we share the screenshots and, you know, we all I like, yeah, I like, feel good. I like for the rest to feel pretty. but anyway guys that's it for us and tomorrow is winnipeg so stick with us and until then we love you guys love you love you